0: You're listening to a chapel message from Trinity Christian College, recorded live at the Ozinga Chapel Auditorium in Palos Heights, Illinois. Day three of the semester. How are we feeling? Syllabus shock setting in. Who here is already like done with the semester? Like over? Okay. Yeah, a lot of us are over already. Well, with a new semester comes a new uh, chapel series. Our spring uh, teaching series is entitled Life in Between, and we'll be journeying through the book of Exodus. I'm really excited about this uh, because it seems to me that the themes of Exodus, even its, its visceral spirit of, of tension, exhaustion, journeying, is especially fitting for the season that we find ourselves in today. And so from now until Ash Wednesday, we will go through Exodus 1 through 19, and then during the season of Lent, we have 10 chapels, and we will go through Exodus 20, or the Ten Commandments. And so it's going to be really awesome. We have uh, some amazing speakers lined up who are excited to engage God's Word with us. But before we launch into Exodus 1, which Marva Bruno is going to do next Wednesday, I think, yeah, yay Marva, we love Marva. I think it's helpful if we, if we turn back a page, start at the end of Genesis. And so in Genesis 50, which we just read, we find Joseph living with his brothers in Egypt. Joseph has ruled as governor of Egypt for about three generations, and now he's giving this deathbed speech to his brothers. And we often pay the most attention to the beginning of the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, because after all, Genesis does mean beginnings. Beginnings. And if we zoom out, it's very interesting to see that Genesis opens with God breathing life into the cosmos and then closes in Genesis 50 with Joseph taking his dying breaths. As an entire book, Genesis serves as this case study to show how the sweep of God's promise, how the story of creation, fall, and redemption looks like in the life of God's people. And we find a hint at this redemption, at this resolution, in kind of an unexpected place, We find it on Joseph's tombstone. The text tells us, not once but twice, that Joseph dies at the age of 110. And this is strange because life expectancy in ancient Egypt was was really short. It was about 20 or 30 years. And so for most of us here in this room, if you lived in ancient Egypt, you would probably be darkening death's doorstep by now. And while some of you would probably be dead, but archeological documents tell us that the Egyptian elite, like, like Joseph, were the exception. 110 uh, might seem like a random number, but the Egyptians considered that to be a full age to die, this perfect lifespan for those whom God blessed. In fact, the West Car Papyrus, which is a really important ancient Egyptian document from about 1500 BCE, tells the story of a magician who lived to 110 years by eating 500 loaves of bread and drinking 100 jars of beer every single day might be a lesson in there for us. There's probably not, not on this campus, there's not a lesson for us. It is important to the literary integrity of Genesis that Joseph dies at a satisfying age because there's so much chaos throughout Genesis. Humanity falls into sin. People murder each other. Family members sell their brother into slavery. Famine hits the land. But God still brings about a good resolution. And It's the same for Joseph's part in the story. Joseph endures the worst and is still blessed by God. And so all in all, in Genesis 50, it seems like the book closes on a warm note. But still, it's a little itchy. Joseph is hinting to us that there is more ahead when we move to Exodus. Joseph gives us a moment of tension at the end of this scene. It's a a cliffhanger of sorts that expects us to turn the page to see what happens. And it's found in verse 24. Soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back into the land he solemnly promised to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And notice those prepositions, out of this land, Egypt, and into the land he promised. Joseph recognizes that each of our lives is located in a space of betweenness, He's, he's telling his brothers that even though things seem good now, that God always has something better ahead. And so this is going to be a big idea for our series, because like Joseph and the people of Israel, we find ourselves in between the present and the promised the present, and the promised. And this is what theologians call an eschatological tension. Eschatological tension. It's a fancy word for this weird reality that we live in both the already and the not yet. Because on the one hand, Christ has already brought the kingdom of God to earth. And on the other hand, Christ is still establishing his reign and will return to fully complete the work at the end of this age. And so we find ourselves in the tension between the present the In the promised. And I feel that tension so much in my everyday work. And I've especially felt that tension in the past few years. Yeah, I had no idea that I would be a chaplain when I was in college. Uh, In fact, by the end of my college career, like many of you are thinking about right now, I had no idea what I was even going to be doing after graduation. Now is the time when the clock starts ticking, seniors, ju- well even juniors, every one of you, the clock is ticking to graduation. But in my last semester of grad school, uh, one after another, I watched my classmates, they got their surprisingly well-paying jobs in megachurches, megachurches at which their parents were pastors, by the way, it's just a little bit of nepotism. Anyways, they got that, they got their ring by spring, and still nothing was happening for me. I would would get past a lead, I would send an email, I would start a conversation with a a church or a college, and we just find it wasn't a good fit or something. Or I would see a job posting on the internet, and I would survive a Zoom interview, and then I would get a canned rejection email back two weeks later. And so, a few months of unsuccessful searches later, I graduated, had a master's degree in my hand, and I still didn't have a job. And I was mad. Because I was top of my class, and quite frankly, I thought I was hot stuff. <laughs> and I was complaining to this professor, and I was saying something like, oh, no one wants to hire me, you know, they, they, I just don't fit their mold. You know, I, I don't know what I can do that fits me. And this professor said to me, Ben, I have my dream job, and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. You know, that statement has, has really rung in my head ever since because in many ways I'm still saying something like that. I do indeed have a dream job of mine, but I'm still trying to figure out what I wanna be when I grow up. And I hope I'm not alone there, because I'm reminded that all of us are on this journey of growing up with Jesus as our guide. And whether we like it or not, God has placed many waiting rooms along the way. It seems like we're always waiting for the next best thing, you know, the newest iPhone, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the promotion, the tenure, the pro sports team recruiter, the grad school acceptance. But when we don't get it, we feel useless, feel lonely. We feel like a failure. But even in those moments, I think that we find a lot of hope in what Joseph saw. Because even though Joseph died before he saw the promise of God fulfilled in his family, he still says in verse 25 that God will visit us in the meantime. Visit us. And that's a strange word. Uh, the, the original Hebrew, that word for visit, pakad, it isn't about casually like stopping to say hi, like when you visit your friend in their room after visiting hours or something like that. The word, Some of you visit like that though. But the word pakad gives a sense of interest, of interest, of intervention. It is a divine breakthrough, energized by the very heart of God. And we can't see it, but hidden underneath our English translation is, this, is a special grammatical form that the biblical writers used when they wanted to intensify, when they wanted to boldface the meaning of an action. And so Joseph's words in verse 25 might be better phrased as, God will surely, God will certainly visit you. God will surely take care of you. And so because of this strong hope, We set our eyes on the promised land, not on the present life in Egypt. God will visit us. But that's easier said than done, I know. You know, what happens when God hasn't knocked on our door yet? What happens when worse things happen in the meantime? What does it look like to trust God and journey with God and others when we find ourselves in between the present and the promised? I don't have all the answers. We have an entire semester to unpack these ideas, and even then, we won't figure everything out. But for now, I'd like to offer us this guiding phrase. It's not original, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's thought of this, but I'd like to invite you to use it to frame our life in between. And it goes like this. What God starts, God finishes, and what God promises, God fulfills. What God starts, God finishes, And what God promises, God fulfills. God has a plan much bigger and better than what you and I could accomplish on our own. But at the same time, be careful not to treat God like, like a lifeguard on duty who only sweeps into action when the waves of life get rough and choppy. We can make our plans all we want, but sometimes what we plan is not what God has promised. We should expect God to call us and shape us in unexpected ways in those waiting rooms of life, just as the Israelites experienced. And so when we find ourselves in between the present life and the promised land, we rest in the hope that God is with us, accomplishing his purposes and calling us to join him in every season. And we know that God has come to be with us in the person of Jesus Christ who dwells within us in this community by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this semester, we will explore how God meets us in this life in between. We will study some very wild episodes in Israel's history, burning bushes, stabs that turn into snakes, plagues of gnats, armies drowning in the sea, water springing out from rocks. In all of these moments, we will see that God continues to fulfill his purposes and obey the covenant that he made with his people. Our evidence of God's hand might not be as marvelous as the Israelites saw in Egypt, but we know that the same God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph is with us today. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can discover a vibrant, flourishing life in between the present and the promised. And to see how the story continues to unfold, we turn the page to Exodus 1. But for now, we have this hope. What God starts, God finishes. And what god promises god fulfills thanks be to god let's pray lord you are good and your mercy endures forever your promises endure forever your faithfulness endures forever and we give you thanks that you are not a god who abandons us in the waiting but that you meet us that you shape us, that you work with us. And God, I know that in this room, all of us are in so many awkward tensions right now, finding ourselves waiting for the next thing. So God, would you meet this community? Would you meet us? Would you help us to see signs of your grace working in our lives? That even when things seem hard, confusing, challenging, frustrating, or tiring, give us the hope that you are still accomplishing your purposes. And we will give you all of the praise and glory. We ask these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Trinity Christian College's Chapel Podcast. To learn more about campus ministries at Trinity, visit trnty.edu chapel.